Today's shir begins 16 lines from the bottom of Daf Ayin Dalid. You'll notice a double underline highlighting Rav Ula Bar Abba. On the side of the Gemara, under the Nosei Mivne heading, we've written Deois Shainois, different opinions, Bevi'ila Shebo'o Acharei Kiddushim Bayatim Shonim. Different opinions regarding uh, intimacy that follows a problematic type Kiddushin. In effect, we're continuing the topic that we had left off with during our last year. Uh, so we have highlighted these names, Rav Ula and then Rav Yosef Bar Abba, a couple lines from now. Omar Rav Ula Bar Abba, Omar Ula, Omar Rabbi Elozer. Hamikadesh, one who offers Kiddushin, generally speaking, offers money to a woman in ex- exchange for her acceptance of marriage. Bemilve. So he's Mekadesh or Bemilve. Ubal. What does that mean to Mekadesh Milva? Bemilve is a loan. Very simply put, a woman happened to owe a man some money. And the man said to the woman, you know, you owe me money in, the, in, in, in exchange for my foregoing the loan. Uh, will you marry me? And she agrees. And so that's called Mekadesh Bemilve. And then after that, he conducts intimacy with her. Another situation, Al-Tanai Ubal, that means he offered Kiddushin to her, but on a contingency basis, conditionally, and then had relations. And then it turned out that the conditions were not met. Bepachos Mishovetruta Ubal, or he married her by offering her money or an item worth less than the minimum denomination, the minimum amount. And that's referred to as Pachos Mishove Pruta. He offered her something worth less than the value of a Pruta, Uboal, and then had intimacy with her. The question in all of these, where you have a, a problematic Kiddushin, the case of the case of being Mekadish Bemilve, where he he uh, forgives a loan in exchange for her acceptance of marriage is, is known to be, is, is not considered an acceptable form of marriage because marriage involves not foregoing uh, something that was owed, but rather giving her something in a, in a proactive, positive sense in exchange for her acceptance. And that doesn't take place when you're foregoing a loan. So the uh, Rebbe Lozer is telling us uh, that Divrei HaKol, in all of these cases, Tzricha Heimenu Get, if they want to disband this marriage, in each one of the cases, a Get would be required. And the, the idea behind that is, is that a person, a ma- the man, would not uh, engage in intimacy uh, on a, uh, a non-marriage basis, we call Bilaz Nusa, uh, an act of harlotry, Therefore, when he has the intimacy, he is doing so with marriage intentions, that this bia should uh, concretize the marriage. We should um, continue in the Gemara. Omar of Yosef, Bar Ab, Omar of Menachem, Omar Rabbi Ami. Hamakadesh Bepochos Mishove Pruta Uboal, Tsricha Heimenu Get. That we've used a number here, three, which corresponds to the number three above, that in that case, I, I concede that the uh, subsequent Bia is 
effective in creating a marriage. In this case, people don't make mistakes. People are aware that less than a Shofar Pruta is not a marriage. Now, if that's not a marriage, then what's the purpose of the Bia? The Bia is the act of Kiddushin. Avol Behanoch Toi. In cases one and two, where Makadish Bemilva or Makadish Al Tanai, the Bia there is based on the original Kiddushin. And not as if the Bia is a separate act of establishing marriage, but it's an act that's designed to, we'll say, consummate the original act of Kiddushin. Let us take a look at the Rashi in the lower part of the narrow lines. Tzricho heimenu get, ve'afilu hitoso betnai, even if the condition was not met. In other words, he made a condition that I'm marrying you on condition that you don't have vows, and uh, she agreed to the marriage, giving the impression that she did not have vows, and then he discovered later on, she has vows. That is an example of hit also. She tricked him. Even, even so, a get is required. The ain odom a person would not do an act of intimacy as a harlotrous act. Rather, if he's doing an act of intimacy, he wants it to be of, we'll say, of marital consequence. He wants it to create a marriage. We continue in the Rashi, Rabbi Ami Polig Ad Rebbe Lozar, the Omar. As we saw in the Gemara, Rabbi Ami argues on Rebbe Lozar, and he says, Hamekadesh Bepochos Mishove Pruta Uboal, the case of marriage offered in exchange for less than a Shove Pruta and then a subsequent inter- act of intimacy, who did Sricha get there? A get is required. In other words, there, the act of Bia is for marital purposes. Or, however, if the original Kiddushin was in exchange for foregoing a loan, or a Kiddushin that was conditional, and then there was a subsequent act of intimacy, no get is required. It's considered just a, a mistaken or a marriage that never got started. Why is that? In the case of the people don't make a mistake to think that that's a real Kiddushin. Therefore, when he conducted the act of intimacy, he did so with real marital intent, that, the, that this intimacy should create the marital bond. In the other cases, the man figured if he married her, stating a condition that uh, a conditional uh, that you don't have vows, so he then had intimacy with her. He thought that she really doesn't have any vows. When he had intimacy with her, he didn't have intimacy with, with the sense that this act of intimacy should create a marriage. He's assuming that the original. Kiddushin that he offered her uh, the, uh, uh, with the stated stipulation was the Kiddushin. <coughs> B'milva, regarding the idea of Mekadish B'milva, not everyone is expert in that. People think that by forgiving for a loan, that is real Kiddushin. And then the subsequent Bia is, uh, is done on the basis of the original forgiving of the loan, not as if the act of Bia should create a marriage.
And since we know that Mikadash Milva doesn't work, and uh, the Mikadash Al and the conditions are not met, they don't, the, the marriage doesn't get started, there's no need for a get. The subsequent Bia was all based on that original faulty condition. We continue in the Gemara. Omar Rav Kahana Mishmei Deula HaMekadish Al Tnai Uboal Tzricha Heimenu Get This is a, re- a reflection of case number two that we saw above. So um, the uh, Halacha above it was brought by Rav Ula Bar Abba Ula happened to be quoted in the string of names over there. Here you see Ula is quoted, but this time by Rav Kahana. So you see that regarding halacha number two, uh, there is agreement that one who is mekadesh al tanai uboa, one who is mekadesh with a condition, and the condition, and and then he uh, had intimacy with her, and the condition was not met. Uh, nevertheless, the marriage is formed. So that on regard, regarding that, you can see they agree, uh, and we saw the svara before that a person is, wouldn't make his bia a bias znus. Zehoya maise, this actually happened. The lohoya koyach bechachomim lotzia below get, and the chachomim didn't have the power of removing her from her husband without a get. So a get was necessary. So what, let's just describe the case again. There was a marriage that was done on condition that, some stated condition, and he then had intimacy with her. And then uh, it turned out that the conditions were not met. The story here indicates that when this couple was going, was going to split up, it was necessary for the husband to give her a divorce document. Now, this approach is la'afuke mehai tano. Uh, we have a long point, so note that this goes to the top of Olibes. The long point says that we, uh, by saying that in the, this case of the marriage, the kiddushin al-tanai, and the tanai not having been met, uh, but nevertheless, the bia that took place afterwards uh, did concretize the marriage. That approach is to the exclusion of another approach. And that's what we see here. The Omar Rav Shmuel, Mishum Rabbi Shmuel. The following was taught in the name of Rabbi Shmuel, quoting a posuk, the he lo nitpasa. The Pasuk refers to a married woman that was not grabbed, not, that was not raped. So that you have a woman that had willing intimacy with a man other than her husband, Asura. The result of that is that she's forbidden to her husband. However, a woman that's raped is permitted to her husband. The fact that she's married and some other man had intimacy with her under circumstances of rape, that does not prohibit her from going back to her husband. There's another example uh, of a woman even if she wasn't raped muteris. Uh, she is permitted. We'll see what that permitted means when we see the case. Uh, 
the Azo, and what is that? This is a description of a woman who was married under, we'll say, mistaken circumstances. In other words, she was offered a, a, a marriage on condition, uh, with a stated condition, and the condition was not met. So it turns out that since the condition wasn't met, the original condition is a, was invalid, was a mistake. Shafilu bina murkav aksefa. Even if she has a child riding on her shoulders, meaning she, in the meantime, till the, we'll say till the uh, the mistake was revealed, she happened to have been married. She was married to this man, had a child with him, and then it turns out that her marriage was a was all based on a mistake. So and. So that we see a case of there was a there was kiddushetos there was kiddushin and there was a subsequent act of intimacy that's how she uh, bore the child and the halachas in this source says we continue at the top of Omid base mimaenes v'holeches law she she has the power of refusing to continue with him and walks out of the marriage without a get so that we have here this Tanaic opinion that was stated in the name of Mishmuel, that a woman whose kiddushin was uh, conditional and the condition was not met, no get is required. Prior to this in the Gemara, we saw Rav Kahana quoting Ula, saying just the opposite, that a woman who was married with a stated condition and, the, and there was subsequent intimacy, and it turns out that the conditions were not met, she does require a get for uh, the uh, for the separation between herself and her husband. As you can see, a slash mark appears indicating that that which follows is a new trend of thought. We have uh, Tanaic sources, and they're numbered as uh, with uh, Roman numerals one, and a few lines later, you see a Roman numeral number two. Tonura Bonan, Holcha Eitzel Chacham Vehitira. Uh, a woman went after Kiddushin and absolved her vows. So she's considered married. What are the circumstances? The woman had been married on condition that she has no vows. Uh, and after accepting the money and uh, in exchange for that, she agreed to marry a man. She then went to a Talmud Chacham, to a Torah scholar, who has the who's vested with the power of absolving a person from their vows, and she had that done. So now let's think about that. At the time of the marriage, the marriage was made on condition that she has no vows. Did she have vows at the time of the marriage? Yeah, we see we see that that's the, that this very woman after the marriage she went to have her her vows absolved by the Chacham, and. The source number one says that she is Mikudeshis. The marriage takes hold. Another situation. A woman had been married on condition that she has no blemishes. And uh, after, right after the marriage, she goes to a doctor, Eitzel Reife, Veripa Oisa, and the doctor removes the blemishes. Eino Mikudeshis. The marriage does not take hold. She's not considered married. 
Well, what again, what happened here? She was married by a man on condition that she has no blemishes. Well, at the time that that took place, did she have blemishes? Well, yes. She then went to the doctor who removed those mumin, those blemishes. Here the ruling is, she's not married. Ma bein chocham l'rofe. What's the difference? We saw in the case of the chocham and the absolution of the vow, uh, that helps to establish the marriage as a legitimate marriage. Whereas the same, we'll say the parallel situation with the doctor removing the blemishes, that does not help to establish the marriage as a marriage. The Gemara answers, Chocham oikir es neder meikoro. When a person seeks absolution of vows by approaching a Torah scholar, the process is called uh, Pesach, or find an opening through a, an expression of regret, where the person who vowed in, uh, is, is, let's say, led by the Chacham through, so, through questioning, he's led to conclude that, had I known such and such at the time I made the vow, I would never have vowed. So that the Chacham, in effect, uproots the vow from its root. So that the woman is viewed as, in fact, retroactively, had no vows. For Roife, the doctor, when he removes blemishes, removes it from the time that the blemish is, for, is, is formally removed. You can't say retroactively the person didn't have a blemish. So therefore, at the time of the Kedushin, when the, when the marriage was made on condition that there are no blemishes, and there were, so the, the, the stipulation, the conditions of the marriage were never met. We ask a question. But here, focus on the markings, the dashed underlining. The Hotanya, but have we not learned in another source, Eitzel Chacham Vehitira, Eitzel Roifei, Veripa Oisa, Eino Mekudeshes. Here we see, contrary to the source number one, that by going to the Chacham and having the vows absolved, does not help to let's say, reinstate the Kedushin, the marriage that was made on condition that she had no vows. Well, at, the, at the time that she got married, in fact, she did have vows, and going to the Chacham did not, doesn't help. So we have what would appear to be a, a, a contradiction between the two sources regarding the effectiveness of the Chacham in absolving vows. Omar Rabbah, and we have uh, triangles here, Number one appears here, and a number two will appear on Ayin Hayom and Aleph, uh, where we have a, another approach. So here the Girsa suggests we read this as Rabba, so when we get to number two, we'll read that as Rava, another individual. Oma Rabba Lo Kasha. Ha Rebbe Meir. Ha Rebbe Elazar. The two Tanaic sources are simply, they're authored by different Tanoim. Source number one is authored by Rebbe Meir, and source number two is authored by Rebbe Lazar. How do we know that? What are the respective Tanaic opinions that lead us to this? So the Gemara explains. Ha, Rebbe Meir, the Omar, Odom Roitze Shetizbaze Ishto Bebeisden. In order to seek absolution of vows, so the woman has to present herself to the court. They have to 
listen to her, uh, what what happened, and and uh, then grant her uh, freedom of the vow. That involves a certain amount of uh, disparagement, bizoyon, shame. Does a man mind that his wife is subjected to that shame? So according to Rebbe Meir, the main thing for the husband is that she remains his wife and it, it, doesn't, it doesn't bother him that she would be subjected to that shame. Therefore, in, in Source 1, where the uh, woman is discovered to have vows, and she is uh, then then goes to the chacham for the absolution of that. That is all within the realm of the husband's acceptance. He approves of all of that. Now, source number two that says going to the chacham doesn't help. That's Rebbelosur to Amar Ein Adam a man would not want his wife to be subjected to shame in court. And therefore, he, when, when marrying her, he would not take the, this, let's say, vow solution into consideration. He would not approve of this in the first place. In order to appreciate the comments of Rabbi Meir and Rabbi Lazar, there's a long, let's say, bracketed section of Gemara that gives you the background for their opinions. After this long bracketed section, you see we oh, we end up on the upper part of Ayin Heom and Aleph. Using your bracket length indicator, that brings you to the second triangle, Rava, he's number two, who comes to resolve the the uh, we'll see the, the disparity between these two sources. We have a little note on the side where the brackets begin. Hezbra Sograim, Achra Sograim, after the brackets, Muva Oid Hezbra Liashev as Kushis Vahotanya. A second approach to answer the que- the question that began with the Vahotanya where the Roman numeral number two was in our Gemara. Besoch within the bracketed section, Muva HaMokor, there is presented the Tanaic source, Sheboi Moifim, there will appear in that source, Bein HaYeser, amongst others, Rabbi Meir, Rabbi Lozer, Shitas. These two Tanoim as we saw their opinions and where all of that comes from. So, let us take note then of the general Gomorrah structure so that will enable us to go straight through now with the bracketed section and not be, uh, let's say, be uh, taken aback or or um, uh, derailed when we get to Rava, understanding that Rava is coming to resolve these two Tanaic sources, Roman numerals number one with Roman numeral number two. So now, that having been said, and we mapped out the Gemara, my he, we're reading in the bracketed section, what is this reference to Rabbi Meir and uh, Rabbi Elazar? Desnan. We have a Tanaic source that takes you down to the uh, bottom line. Hamotzi one who divorces his wife, 
Mishum neder lo yachsir. A man realizes that his wife is a, a a vowing type individual, and he doesn't want to live with a woman like that, so he divorces her. Uh, we're told uh, you cannot take her back; you can't remarry her. If you divorce her, mishum shemra, you divorce her because there was talk about her having behaved immorally. Lo yachsir, you are not to take her back. Rashi says, Lo yachsir, mefor shpsachas gitten, trey taimi. There are two reasons that are given in Masechas Gitten. Ika lamadomer mishum kilkula. One mandomer is, has to do with kilkul. Shimato imer yachsir, if you allow him to take her back, Shemo teilech vdose, we're afraid that after he divorced her initially, she'll go and marry another man. And then, after she marries another man, the rumor about her immorality is is dispelled, resulting in it not simply husband's realization that it wasn't true. Or, in the interim, after she marries a second guy, the the uh, nether that she had taken is absolved by a chocham. And the, the original husband would then say, Had I known that vows can be rescinded, or that the, the rumors were untrue, the rumors of immorality were untrue, uh, Had they given me even a uh, hundred mona, let's say, gave and gave, even if they had given me a million dollars, I wouldn't have divorced you. The re- only reason I divorced is because I thought that uh, the, 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 the rumors about your immorality were true. Or uh, I uh, thought that the vows that you take had no solution to them. So, uh, if, and if the husband would say that, had I known that it wasn't true, or had I known that the vows could be absolved, and in the meantime she had gone off and married another man and had kids with that other guy, this would undo the divorce retroactively. And if she is not divorced from the first man, what's she doing having kids with the second husband? The fikach omrimlo, therefore, we tell the man, Haviyadea, uh, we, the man that divorces his wife, we tell him, you let it be known to you, If you're divorcing your wife because of, um, uh, let's see, rumors, or because she's a, a vowing type individual, you should, I want you to know, you won't be able to take her back. If she is beloved to you, don't be so quick to get rid of her. The Osi Su Lukakel, and if he then actually does divorce her, and he then comes up with this story, oh, I would never have divorced her had I known this and that, he won't be believed. He was informed, he knows that she is forbidden to him. And he didn't bother checking it out. He didn't bother checking out whether the room was true. He didn't bother checking out whether uh, vows could be absolved. Another approach says the reason we don't let a man 
uh, who divorced because of neder, because of shemra, to take her back, is as a warning to Jewish women not to be, be not to behave immorally and not to be vowing types. So we continue in the Tanaic source. Rebuta Omer, Kol Neder, Shiyodu Bo Rabim, Lo Yachsir. Any vow that was taken, that was vowed in the in the presence of ten others, in the in the presence of a Rabim means a, a public, whatever the Gemara will have to determine what is meant by a public, then a woman like that cannot be taken back. Rashi on the second line under the Gemara says, Lo Rebuta is of the opinion that the uh, the problem behind the vows is the uh, the um, uh, this uh, uncoming behavior, this uh, un- uh, be- um, loose uh, prutsos is an expression of of looseness, of unbridled behavior. So we don't want women to be like that. A woman who takes a vow in the presence of ten, that the Gemara says in Gittin is a type of vow that cannot be rescinded. She's gone too far. It's bad to take vows, but bad and, and, and worse taking a vow that can't be rescinded. And that deserves a fine, kansuha. And therefore, we say she cannot be uh, taken back by her husband. The Tanaic source continues, Lo yodu bo rabim, if a woman had made a vow that was not known, wasn't in public, and this kind of vow can be undone. So, yachsir, here they didn't impose the knas, and Rashi explains that Reb Yehuda is not concerned about that whole scenario of a husband who divorces a wife uh, because of this kind of neder, uh, and then claiming after she marries another man, oh, had I known that I could uh, uh, absolve vows, I, I certainly uh, would never have divorced you. That is not something that bothers Rebbe Yehuda. That scenario doesn't bother him. All right, Rebbe Meir Omer Kol Neder Shetzorah Hakiras Chacham Lo Yachsir V'Sheinot Zorah Hakiras Chacham Yachsir. Any type of Neder that has that is has to be subjected to a Chacham in order to be absolved. In other words, the the husband cannot absolve this particular kind of vow because it's not something that affects him or it's not a neder of inui nefesh. It's not a neder that results in her experiencing uh, pain. So any neder that requires a chakiras chacham lo yachsir, he shall not take back his wife if he divorced her because of nedarim like that. And Rashi explains because of the uh, kilkul problem. In, and let's look at Rashi together in the middle of the wide lines under the Gemara text. Lo yachsir. Kosovar, Rabbi Meir holds, taimo mishum kilkula. The prohibition of taking her back is because of the kilkul issue. That was the story that we saw above in the Rashi. 
Hilkoch Bahai Ika Kilkula. In the in this case where the vow in question was a vow that would have required a Chakiras Chacham, that is fertile ground for a Kilkul to have taken place. The Oimer, where the husband might have said, Had I known that a sage could absolve the vow, I would never have divorced you. As far as I'm concerned, I would have been just as I was. I would have been happy, even if you had to be subjected to shame in Beisden, just to have that vow undone. So, as far as Rabbi Meir is concerned, a neder that requires chakiras chacham, and uh, and he he divorced her because of a neder like that. Lo he is not to take her back. And as we saw already in Rashi, because that, uh, if he were able to take her back, you have a situation of his of the husband having having said, "Had I known that a chacham could absolve the vow, I never would have divorced you." So we go one step ahead of him and say that if you're divorcing her based on uh, those kind of vows that need chakir chacham, you should know you're not going to ever be able to take her back. So we won't be able to say. Had I known it could be absolved by a sage, I never would have divorced her. You're still not going to be able to take her back. Those kind of vows that the husband could have absolved, and uh, he divorced her. He is entitled to take her back. The Rashi says, In this kind of situation, he can't mess her up the husband is 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 um, charged with the responsibility of, of having been mefer and if he didn't do his uh, didn't fulfill his responsibility so uh, he can't he can't then say had I known that uh, that I uh, that I could have absolved the vows he should have absolved the vow so there's no let's say, expression of regret that he could make here that would result in being mechalkal her marriage to another man. We continue in the source. Omar Rebbe Lozar Lo osrut sorech The rabbis didn't prohibit the taking back of a woman because of those kind of vows that required Chakir's Chacham Elo mitnei only because of those kind of vows that the husband could have absolved. We look in the Rashi, Those kind of vows that uh, require a chocham to uh, undo do not pose any potential kilkul. The lav called kamine lomar. We're not going to believe a husband to say again. According to Rebbe Lozer, we're not going to believe a husband to say, "Ilu odea." Had I known that the vow could have been absolved, I would have sent you to a chacham. and a man doesn't want his. A man would never want his wife to be subjected to the shame of appearing in court. Why then, if a man divorces his wife because of Vows that require chakiras chacham. Do we say you can't take her back? To gzera mipnei she'enot zarech. 
it, with regard, uh, it's, an, it's an anticipation of a man divorcing his wife based on vows that he, the husband, could have absolved. The husband would, could, could say, I didn't know that I have the power of absolving. And had I known that, I never would have uh, divorced you. So that is the case of Einot Sarachakiras Chacham, and that being a claim he could make. The Gozru Hai Otu Hai, we forbid not only in the case of the Einot Sarach of taking her back because of the Kilka that could result, but we will not let you take back even those vows that were Tsarachakiras Chacham, even though that over there he couldn't have really messed her up. Now you can see we have an additional marking. This is a, a, it's a it's a brackets within a brackets. We call this the angular brackets. The note on the side, the starred note reads, "Sograim elu." The sograim l'shem dilu. These angular brackets are here for skipping purposes. Achreas sograim gemara masbira machlokes rabbi meir verbelozer to l'shem kachuva kol aketa. After these angular brackets. The Gemara will present the opinions of Rabbi Meir and Rebbe Lazar with the Gemara explanation. Uh, and that's the reason that this whole section was brought in. Therefore, we're here really to de-emphasize the part in the angular brackets. Besoch, the angular brackets, HaGemara Mazbira, Shitas Rebihuda, Shuva B'mokra Within the angular brackets, so the Gemara explains Rabbi Huda's opinion, who happened to be cited in this source as well. So now that the, uh, we'll say the sugi has been mapped out, let's go through it straight, straight through. My time under Abhuda, why, what is the basis of Abhuda that said that a nether shuhuda barabim ha'fora, that a nether that's taken in public has no ab- uh, absolution? Dichtif, the posuk says, this posuk is in the context of the givonim. The givonim were people that uh, tricked uh, Yehoshua, at the time of the entrance and capture of Eretz Yisrael, they tricked him into thinking that they were a far away people and not uh, members of the indigenous population uh, attempting to save their skins because the locals would were to be killed out. So the Pasuk says, Velohikum b'nei Yisrael, the Jewish people did not smite the Giv'oinim, ki nishveru lohem Because the heads of the community had sworn, had made a pact or a treaty with them. Now, we saw Rabbi um, Judah make mention of a neder that was, uh, that was made in public. Rashi says, she yodu vo rabim. The word rabbim appeared, and the Gemara asked, Kama rabbim, what does it mean, the public, the, the, the many? We have um, Rav, uh, a couple of opinions on this. Rav Nachman Bar Yitzchok, Omar Shloisha. Um, you'll see, he's called Aleph, and then we see uh, uh, shortly, Rav Yitzchok says Asara. So you have two opinions. Rav Nachman says that rabbim means three. Because elsewhere in the Torah, you see the Pesach says, Yomim Rabim. And we darshan there, Yomim is two. That's an indication of 
two days, which has relevance to the topic in which the Pesach is found. And the Pesach said, Yomim Rabim. The Rabim equals Shloisha. That is responsible for adding another day to the topic discussed over there. But what you see is that the word Rabim is associated with three. So that a nether, shuhuda baraba, a nether that was taken with the knowledge of the public, the public spoken about means in the presence of three. And Rabbi Yisok Omar Asora, ten. And how does Rabbi Yisok know that? Eidah Ksiv Behu. You can see the Pesach on the top line. It says, The word Eidah appears in that context where uh, because of the vow, so the Givonim remained untouched. And, and in other words, that vow where the Givonim had tricked the Jewish people, that couldn't be rescinded. Why? Because it was taken in public. You see the word Ada appears in that Pasuk? The word Ada is associated with ten. And here, the Gemara doesn't give you all of the background for that, but there is a, a Pasuk that says, Ad Mosai La Ada Hazos. The Ada in the other context is a reference to the ten spies that were, were brought back an evil report concerning Eretz Yisrael. So the word Ada is associated with the number ten. And again, we, now we go back and quote from the source, Rabbi Meir, Omer. Uh, you can see we have an arrow indicating to look back to Ayin Dalid Omid Beis, and you'll see where this quote comes from. Rabbi Meir, Omer, Kol Neder Shetzorach Hakiras Chochem Lo Yachsir, Rabbi Lozomer Lo Osru Tzorach Elamitnei Sheinu Tzorach. That's a quote. Bemai Komifligi. What is the underlying point of Machlokes? Rabbi Meir Savar. Odom Roitze Shitizbaze Ishto Bebeisden. A man, a husband, would be uh, willing to have his wife subjected to the shame of appearing in court. Therefore, Rabbi Meir said, any neder that uh, the woman had taken that requires a chachkiras chacham, and he does, he divorces her because of his displeasure with having found out that she has this neder. He will not be allowed to take her back. Why not? Because if he divorces her, and she then ends up marrying another man, and produces children with that other man, and the husband would then turn around and say, had I known that, uh, that, that your vow could have been re, uh, absolved by appearing in court, I would have I would have sent you to court to have it absolved, even though that involves shame. That's as far as Rabbi Meir is concerned, that is quite believable because Adam based in. And therefore we have to preempt the the husband from from saying that. Uh, because of the kilkel that would result. Because if he were to say that, the children she has with the second husband will then retroactively be children from a married a woman that was still married to the first man. And why is that? Because of the husband's the first husband's expression, I never would have divorced you had I known that the vows could be rescinded by a chacham. And we believe him when he says, I would have sent you to a chacham for absolution. So as we said before, 
Rabbi Meir stays one, Rabbi Meir says, we'll stay one step ahead of him and say that if you divorce your wife because of uh, Nidorim, that, uh, that because of Nidorim, you cannot take her back. And here we're told what, which Nidorim? Those Nidorim that require Chakiras Chacham. Rebbe Lozar, Savar, we continue in the Gemara. We would not believe a man to say, had I known that uh, your vows could have been absolved by a chocham, I would have sent you to court for that. No, he never would have done that. A person does not, would, uh, doesn't want his wife to be subjected to shame. However, vows that a husband could have absolved if he divorces her on the basis of those kind of vows we will not let him take her back why not because we're afraid of her uh, after he's his first husband's divorcing of her she marries a second man then the first husband discovers that he could have absolved the vows, he'll come out with a claim. Had I known that I could have absolved those vows, I never would have divorced you. He's thereby uh, expressing his, his voiding of the divorce. And in the meantime, she had, she's had children with a second husband. They'll all turn out to be Mamzerim. So we preempt that by going one step ahead of him and saying, listen, sir, if you divorce your wife because of vows... Uh, you you can never take her back. That'll force him to look into the matter to make sure that before he divorces her, whether he can, whether he himself can uh, uh, absolve the vows. But it's true, Rebbe Lazar really prohibits him from taking her back under both, with regard to both type of vows, but one is a gzera only because of the other. Rova Omar Rava, as we introduced earlier, is coming to offer a, an explanation for the source that said if a woman uh, goes to a, a woman who had been married on condition that she has no vows, and after the marriage, it turns out she has vows, but she goes to a chacham who absolves her from the vows, so we saw source number two said that's not going to help. She's not mikudeshis. In other words, the fact that she had vows at the time of the marriage that um, prevents the marriage from taking hold. What's the reason behind that? After all, uh, wouldn't we assume that when a chocham undoes the vow, it, it un- he uproots it from the root, meaning there was never a vow to begin with? So Rava says, askinan. In source number two, we were talking about a woman that comes from an, uh, a family of importance. The Omar, the husband there, when he when the husband there says that he says as follows: Lo li itzar seha. Uh, I am not happy with the situation that I would that I would be forbidden to her relatives. Once a man marries a woman, when, when we say a marriage is established, so you cannot marry the man's mother, the woman's mother, you cannot marry the woman's sister. So in K in source number two, 
we're dealing with a woman that comes from a, a, a family of important people, say important women. And therefore, when, she, when the wife that he had married, the woman that he had married, goes to the Chacham, we say in, in source number two that the, the, uh, the Chacham's ability, we'll say, to uproot the vows from the very outset to, to make her marry to him as if there were no vows to begin with, that is not the case over there. Because, in fact, the husband doesn't want that to be operative. He doesn't want that to be the case. He, the husband, prefers the fact that there were vows at the time of the marriage to be the determining factor. So we take a look at Rashi on the second line from the top. bas Even according to the opinion that says that a man doesn't mind that his wife is subjected to the to the shame of appearing in court to have vows absolved. In this case where there's an isha chashuva, he will say the husband will say efshi. I can't live with a woman that has vows. Forget nami loni And I also, I'm not, I'm not, um, I'm not happy with a situation whereby I would have to give her a get. Because if I give her a get, if I have to divorce her with a get, then she's considered my divorcee. He would thereby be prohibited. To marry her mother or her sister, v'lo nicholi de lehevu kedushin, and it's it's not um, it's not fitting for me. It's not with my approval that there should be any semblance of marriage. Once again, because in source number two we were dealing with a woman that comes from a an a, a family of importance. And in, in simple terms, this man is, is, is only too happy to have all his options open, that he should be able to marry her mother or her sister. We continue uh, in the Gemara. Rava having explained source number two, where we say, Eino Mekudeshes, it's because of this. Well, Ihachi, the Gemara asks a question. Notice this is a long question. If this be the case, Seifa Dikotoni. The Seifa, the continuation of that very Tanaic source says, Here's a case where a man said to a woman, Marry me on condition that I have no vows or I have no blemishes. And then he goes after that to a Chacham and has the vows absolved. It's a roy favor reposa, or he goes to a doctor that removes his blemishes. Mikudeshes. She is married. In other words, it, this appears to operate retroactively. I'm saying it appears that way. Lisni eno mikudeshes. Once again, if the source is as Rova said, talking about. Um, 
Hashuva, like important families and uh, people wanting to have all their options open, why doesn't it say in the Seifa that when the man made the whole, let's say, the, the, the marriage conditional from his perspective, that he doesn't have vows or he doesn't have blemishes, couldn't the source have read that after he has it absolved or after the rofe removes the, the blemish, that she's not married? The lema and explain the seifa. Here we're dealing with a man from an important family. He has an important father. He has an important brother. The omra, where the woman would be able to say, "Lo li de itzar bekreve." It's not with my approval. I don't want to be prohibited from his father or prohibited from marrying his brother so like why don't we maintain the balance between the Reisha as Rava explained it and the Seifa the Gemara answers because in the Seifa the woman wouldn't, would never say uh, this, this low Nichali uh, I, I don't want to be prevented I want all my options open she wouldn't say that she is only too happy to be married to the man that originally married her with the stated conditions. Ihi, notice we have a long answer mark. This all of the Gemara till the first wide line is uh, to, uh, is here to embellish this point. Ihi, when it comes to a woman, bekoldehu nichola. As far as the kind of husband that she has, she's happy with whatever she can get. Kidder Reish based on Reish Lakish's teaching. Now, uh, don't uh, don't turn off your listening devices right now because you're in for a surprise. The uh, the uh, statement creates the impression that 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 women are happy with whatever they can get for for some kind of we'll say. Um, uh, I don't know, defeatist emotion that they that they possess. But that's not the case whatsoever. Uh, on the side of the Gemara, we have a, let's say a subtopic heading, Isha uh, Bekoldehu Nichola. A woman is happy with whatever kind of husband she can get. So that a woman would simply not be believed to, to claim, oh, I want all my options open to have some other guy that I could marry, the, the, the fellow's father, the fellow's uh, brother. No, because as Reish Lakish says, Kiddi Reish Lakish, Reish Lakish, Tav Lemetav Tandu Milamesiv Armalo. A woman always figures that it's better to be two bodies together, you know, as myself and my husband, than to, than to dwell as, as if I were a widow, meaning to dwell alone. And the double underlines that you see, all of these are comments that have relevance to, the, uh, to this idea. It's pleasing to the woman to have a husband. Again, there's a surprise awaiting us at the end of this, uh, at this, at the end of this series. Abaye Omar. Now, here are common uh, statements. You'll see some uh, extensive Aramaic in the next few lines. But they're common things that uh, women uh, that are that are like their um, Rashi calls them a moshal hedyot, common analogies 
that uh, run in the minds of women. So Abaye says, the Shumsham no Gavra, a a woman whose husband is like an ant, Kurse Be Harsa Rami Law. She will nevertheless uh, place his chair amongst the important individuals with the uh, with the claim that you see me, I'm also married. Rav Papa Omar de Nafso Gavra, a woman whose husband is a uh, a wool beater. It's considered someone who like beats the wool to have uh, debris removed from it, uh, or he combs the wool for uh, getting rid of uh, debris that uh, might be on it. Rashi says it's considered a lowly occupation. Nevertheless, a woman whose whose husband is a nafsa, tikre besipe bava v'tesiv, she'll call him, say, "Hey, Bill, come and sit with me here at the entrance to their house." In other words, she's not embarrassed by the fact that she she's married to this fellow with the lowly occupation. She'll sit out in public with him, her husband, even though he's a nafsa. Ravashi Omar. The Kalso Gavro, um, Rashi says, Kulso Mishpachas Dofi. A man, her husband comes from a family of delinquents. That's the Kalso Gavro. Loboy Talfachi Likidra. She's happy to be married and she will, uh, she'll make, she won't make any demands. Rashi says, Talfachi Ados Shumaychol Kal. It's a, a very inexpensive and light, inexpensive food. She won't even ask that from him. The main thing for her is that her that the the husband's name is associated with her. So now you're you're probably wondering what's going on here. All these these comments indicating that a woman is 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 all too happy to be with whomever. So here's the surprise. Tona. The kulon mezanois the toilois bebalehen. We'll go we'll look at Rashi. The kulon mezanois does balehen. Kol elu shebalehen shvelin umaris lohem chiba. All of these uh, women just described that have these called lowly kind of husbands and they, they show affection toward them. All of this is a smokescreen. These women practice znus, uh, spending uh, time with other men, intimacy with all kinds of other men, and when they might happen to become pregnant, they uh, say, yeah, I'm, I'm pregnant. I have, a, I have a husband here. He impregnated me. They're, they're, it's, 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 it's a good arrangement for them with whatever kind of husbands they have. This enables them to have to lead a double life. Uh, the Gemara, as we've said many times, uh, um, speaks to us in what we call in our language it's it's a reflection of certain uh, morals and societies and human tendencies that uh, exist time immemorial uh, of course this is a, a major feature of 
learning Bishas and realizing that you're you're learning a a monumental piece of work, the foundation of Judaism, which is literally eternal.